This is Blockbuster Film School. This is Blockbuster Film School. Welcome to Blockbuster Film School. Nice to see you again. Nice to have us come into your homes through the radio or the phone or whatever you're listening to this on. I'm Alex Bonner. I'm joined as always by the wonderful Nicholas Souter. Somebody plays this through a CB radio that they're listening to <laughs> on the other end. That's how I listen. Well, you're to on it. your long haul trucks. Yes. I got to get a computer. <laughs> What's your trucker name? Italian Broccoli. <laughs> the USS Spaghetti. Racist. That is not racist. That's you, I'm not the one who put that on the side of your truck. You did that. That's not my. I fault. mean, it's not in my truck. Oh, that's true. You just stole. It. Yeah, I just like sleeping in there. Hmm. It is kind of nice. Those little yeah. cabs. Yeah. I don't know. I find them very adorable. Yeah. It's what I imagine it'd be like when I sleep in Tokyo. Oh yeah. <laughs> like in the Fifth Element. Yeah. Where they get like a tube to sleep in. I would love a tube. I would actually, yes. I would prefer a tube to most of the places I've ever slept. We also have the wonderful super producer, Brian Tepps. Is he going to talk into the microphone? <laughs> He's being silent. He Brian has- Tepps on mic. On mic. Yay! There you go. Yeah, yeah. He has a fucking microphone. It's crazy. First- I've had the microphone all along. What a- yeah. <laughs> he was always real inside of your heart. Well, everybody... Also, that, how much are we paying this actor to portray Brian Tepps? Brian Tepps? A lot. More than scale. More than scale? I know. Listen, don't ask me, all right? Unions. All right? Anyways, we're going to talk about one of the most successful people in the history of movies. To this date, the third highest grossing producer in the history of Hollywood. Her films have made over $7.5 billion as of 2020. Pretty okay. Only behind Kevin Fahey and... Her good friend, Steven Spielberg. Her name is Kathleen Kennedy. Um, My favorite Kennedy. (laughs) She has committed less crimes than several of them. I don't think she's given anyone a lobotomy. Oh, you never know, though. That's true. I think we need to edit that out. I guarantee she did. (laughs) At least, like, suggested it to a surgeon who was going to do something. (laughs) Toby Hooper. We won't talk about that. We're going to get into her career She, as I said, is an amazing Hollywood producer. If you've never heard of Kathleen Kennedy, you have. You just didn't register it. You've seen two-thirds of all the movies she produced, but you don't pay attention to the credits. That is true. That is very, very true. And yes, her name has come up as produced by on definitely several movies you enjoy. Yeah. We'll go through that, but I mean, just coming to mind, Jurassic Park, for instance, or E.T. Curly Sue. Curly, yeah, there are some fails in there. They're not all winners, but a lot of them are. Nobody bats a thousand. Nobody bats. That's true. That is true. But she gets closer than most. We're going to talk about her in depth. Nick, this one's a little different. I mean, what was the first time you really registered Kathleen Kennedy or her movies? The sad thing is it was between... Congo and Twister because I was a giant Michael Crichton nerd after Jurassic Park. That's the thing from the credits for Jurassic Park as a kid. I only remember Michael Crichton, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. And then I was watching Congo and I was like, oh, this is way less impressive. I can pay attention to everything. And I was like, oh, her. Oh, what'd she do? Oh, shit. And then she did Twister. I was like, okay. Also, if she cleared off on that Van Hagar song, it's amazing she made that many billions of dollars. People love Van Hagar. They're it's always true. clamoring for it. They're always saying, bring back Van Hagar. Yeah. That's a fiction. No one ever says that. Even 
Hagar himself does not say this. I've no, never, I've never heard anybody say that. <laughs> that is very. Are fair. you guys saying I should change my back tattoo? Um, it says Moss Van Hagar and Moss Tequila. And it's on your tramp stamp. <laughs> it's just their faces. Oh, God. Well, no, you don't have to do that. I also the same sort of thing. I remember watching Jurassic Park on VHS at some point and saying to myself, wait a minute, Cassie Kennedy from like E.T. and Goonies. And I just sort of looked it up and then said to myself, holy shit, <laughs> she's secretly in charge of all of this. You could make an Illuminati joke immediately. Like, wait a minute, one person was responsible for everything, which in that way, she's not a very forward with her personality and face in the way that a lot of the people she works with are. You know what I'm saying? I had no idea what she looked like today. Yeah, right. But I've also seen her in photos at least a dozen times. Right. She's not like a weirdo or something, but she definitely is a behind the scenes person. Yeah. She's not quite even like Steven Spielberg, who gives a lot of interviews and most people who like movies know kind of what he looks like. She truly is a absolute pulling the strings puppet master. It's because she's an actual producer. Yes. I don't like Joel Silver. She's not a drug addict who stumbled into film producing and then had to get clean. It was like, fuck, now I got to make a fourth Matrix movie. Right. Her nostrils do still exist. Yeah. No K-holes. Yeah. It does not disappear right around 1991. She's a very fascinating person, but it is interesting as I was doing research on it. Outside of her storyline... It's hard to parse out tons of stuff about her personal life or things like that. We know well, she's been fr- married to Gene Simmons since <laughs> 1979 because of his giant tongue. Actually, her husband, uh, Frank Marshall, is also super Holy powerful, shit. is a mega powerful Hollywood producer as well. Is he the one who got threatened to be crushed like a bug? Uh, no, maybe <laughs> it might have been. It might have been. That's a very Did he produced that Jurassic Park movie that made all that money? It's very possible. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, that's very possible. And they got married just for the financial reasons because true. the return they get on their taxes is just enough to like cover three failed movies from that year. So <laughs> that is fair. And it also makes a strange amount of sense if that was him to then realize probably at that moment Kathy Kennedy was co-chair of Lucasfilm. Oh yeah. So <laughs> it makes a lot of sense that they are almost work buddies at that point, (laughs) which also lets you know of a weird element that there really are like at the very tippy top of Hollywood, like five people who run the show. She's one of them. She is one of them. And we will talk about it. Kathy Kennedy born June 5th, 1953 in Berkeley, California, where all the hippies are born. (laughs) Goddamn hippies. (laughs) Not a ton known about her life, although she did kind of live back and forth between places in like Canada and her dad was a judge and an attorney and her mom was a theater actress, all of which were fairly successful, kind of a upper middle class upbringing. And then she went to Shasta High School, where she graduated in 1971. She went to San Diego State University. And then after that, she ran a television show on the local San Diego television station that was called... You're on. Have you ever seen any episodes of You're on? I have them all on VHS. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. But it's more, it's kind of impressive that she's like 22. She gets a television show yeah. on San Diego local television that was decently successful for four years. Enough so that it attracted uh, one of our favorites here at the Blockbuster Film School, at least me particularly, a director named John Millis, 
who directed like Conan the Barbarian and Red Dawn and was in that whole group of the SoCal new school filmmakers. And was not a hippie. Not no, <laughs> violently against hippies. <laughs> Although definitely smoked weed for sure. There's almost no way that John Millis was not high as a kite. I don't know. Oh, I feel like weed was a gateway drug for him <laughs> into handguns. I mean, a guy who wears sunglasses all the time, you either smoke a lot of weed or are violently against smoking weed. Yeah. There's a weird line on that. She gets a job working as a production assistant with Millis, who is the executive producer on Spielberg's 1941. Have you ever seen 1941, Nick? Yeah. What did you think of 1941? I'm just curious. Yeah, Yeah. I know. I kind of, it's kind of regarded as Spielberg's in his heyday, his one true failure. Yeah. Uh, It was between Jaws and then his big mega career in the eighties. And even Spielberg and Kathleen Kennedy, I heard her talk about it after 1941, where because of Jaws, the studios really gave him like just a blank check, like make whatever the, the fuck you want with whoever you want. And Kathleen Kennedy talked about how she was trying to be subtle her influence, but also Spielberg himself was like, I got to have some rules. I got to have a budget. I got to have like certain things I'm not allowed to do. I got to, because 1941, if you've never seen it, it's interesting, but it doesn't really work. It's a, a world war two comedy starring every comedian who was around at that point. It's a lot of good failed ideas. Yes. It's like if naked gun had a huge budget but it doesn't really work as a movie. But weirdly enough, she's a production assistant on it. She's the assistant to John Millis. By the end of that movie, she's the production assistant to Steven Spielberg. She was always forthright and smart with her opinions and was never a like shrinking violet type character who was like, well, maybe one day. No, no. Apparently already like, who is this person who's just in our production meetings saying that's a stupid idea? No, that's a dumb idea. Literally, that is Kathy Kennedy, like 23 years old with Spielberg and Millis and be like, no, that's stupid. That doesn't fucking work. And Spielberg even said she was horrible at taking notes, but what she did know was how to interrupt people. We'd be pitching ideas back and forth, and Kathy, who was supposed to be writing things down, suddenly put down her pencil and would say things like, and what if he doesn't get the girl? Who cares? So it's interesting, you know? It's an interesting... She's almost automatically in their art game. I mean, we don't know anything about her, but she sounds like the perfect combination of a lawyer and a theater actor. (laughs) It's like, uh, no, we're not doing this. Objection. Objection. (laughs) Supporting cast. The understudy goes on right now. (laughs) Interesting theory. (laughs) Also, she was a producer of a television show for four years. She got it. She She already was telling everyone they're stupid. And now she has these guys who don't know what they're doing. You're on. Guess what? You're off. Get the fuck out of my building. (laughs) You bunch of morons. So then after that, Spielberg asked Kennedy to become his secretary for his organizational abilities. And then she basically like became his, how to put this, the more analytical side of his brain, the left side of his brain, everything that Spielberg didn't want to have to handle Kennedy handled. She was really good at, Oh, I don't know, budgets and scheduling and with also a great talent in the creative. But then Spielberg basically brought her on as an associate, an associate producer on Raiders of the Lost Ark in 1981, which we've talked about here. Yeah. Here on our Harrison Ford episode, for instance. Maybe you want to go back and listen to it. We did a Harrison Ford episode? That is correct. That is correct. She gets bumped up again to associate producer on this. We could talk about this one a little bit because she's intrinsical in tying Spielberg with Toby Hooper on 1982 Poltergeist. Uh, what do you think about the Toby Hooper, Spielberg, and Kennedy-produced Poltergeist. 
I will always have a very bizarre soft spot and love for that movie. Yeah, me too. I saw that. Uh, that was like the first movie I saw on cable. We went next door awesome. to Karen's house, and I got so scared at the scene where that guy's face came off in the mirror <laughs> that I was like, I have to go to the bathroom, and I just <laughs> stayed in there. And then they were like, started pounding on the door like, get out. It's getting crazy. I'm like, fine. And then I reluctantly watched the rest of that movie, freaked the fuck out. Yeah. And loved it. I saw it once on like, it came on television on like, it must have been on like regular TV, but one of the UHF channels. And I was like, what's this? And it was right at the scene where they come back and they're letting Carol Ann like slide along the floor. Like it's yeah. fun. And I, as a kid, was already said to myself, Oh God, what the fuck is this? And as a kid, it scared the living shit out of me. But then as an adult, now you watch it. It's just really fun. And it's, it's hilarious. It's not even that scary. No, it's, it's <laughs> you move the headstones. <laughs> The scene where the fucking corpses are popping out of the pool is hilarious. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. She's not a little person. She's just like, she's a teapot, basically. She's short Mm -hmm. and stout. That lady, the, this house is clean, or whatever the fuck (laughs) she says. The psychic, yes. Yeah. She's the scariest part. Hmm. Yes, that is true. Also, that weird part where they show the ghosts with a, like, a Ghostbusters sort of nebulous virtual transfer thing. It's not scary. It just looks really cool. It's creepy now. It's not scary. It's interesting. And then, obviously, there were a lot of rumors about the production because Tobe Hooper had made Texas Chainsaw Massacre and had come directly from, like, the very indie horror movie scene. And then he makes this movie, which is very, very polished and is a huge hit. But in a lot of ways, feels more like a Spielberg and Kennedy movie than it feels like anything else that Toby Hooper made. So that's not taking away from Toby Hooper, but it definitely feels like he was seduced by the power of (laughs) the Kennedy Spielberg. Uh, No, that's a stupid idea. We do it this way. (laughs) There's still always rumors about that. I truly don't know. And even when I was doing some research on on this, it is all kind of hearsay and of whether they hate Toby Hooper or if you watch them back to back, mm-hmm. Poltergeist and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, starring Dennis Hopper, have the exact same like production <laughs> value. I, it's hard for me to tell. Music which one's is not. my life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, especially Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which is one of the more off the rails. Was this made by the Ramones? I don't. <laughs> the Ramones are on less coke. It would have been it would have made more sense. That's a very fair point. But with the success of both, I mean, Raiders, which was a huge hit, and Poltergeist was also a very large hit. After that, then Kathleen Kennedy, who very quickly, by 1982, is now the producer for Steven Spielberg, not the associate producer, the producer for E.T., the extraterrestrial, which in many, many ways, both financially and just the effect on the movie industry, the effect on pop culture is one of the absolute classics of Hollywood. Nick, what do you think of E.T., the extraterrestrial? Uh, you know, it's uh, it's very good. <laughs> it's not a movie I rewatch. No? No, I don't. It's... Really? It's a... Uh, you guys had less sad childhoods than me. <laughs> you want to compare notes? I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'll pull I, up my live journal. Um... No, it's a great movie. It's very well done. It is a classic Spielberg movie. It's just, I just never look for it, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a, I, I saw that band like eight times when I was young. It's great. <laughs> never listen to their music again. 
That's fair. Hey, look, everyone's allowed their own opinion. I absolutely love E.T. I think it is an absolute masterpiece. I think it totally changed the idea of what sci-fi could be. Obviously, Star Wars had come out and done that before, but it was still very action movie. This was an entirely different take in which it was a sort of mysterious rescue mission about divorce and about alienation. Like, I know, sorry about the pun, but about not knowing who you are or what, what, what your purpose in life is and, you know, children becoming adults. It's very interesting. I also really like the fact on it that I always remember this, that just how you were allowed to behave as a child in the eighties versus now, like when Elliot says that he's sick because he's faking to hang out with an alien and his mom's like, all right. And then she immediately gets in a car and drives away and he's like a child and he's just like, he's like, fine, whatever you stay in the house then. And I was like, okay. And then him and his brother and all of their idiot friends are all like 12 and they just ride bikes around messing with the U.S. government. And that all felt semi-real, though. You know, there were gangs of children with bicycles in the 80s whose parents were like, you don't come back until the streetlights come on. Like, leave me alone. Yeah. And if you get kidnapped, well, we have like five more of you and we'll just have to make do with that, I guess. So if you can't have it, it's your fault for helping that guy put the couch in his van for real. That was literally told. That, to is, me. that is a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> My mother used to send me out of the house and she would say, don't come back until it's dark. <laughs> but she was talking about emotionally inside of yourself. Brian stayed in the woods for six months. <laughs> well, if nothing else, though, E.T. was a bonkers hit. I mean, yeah. it was Brian. What do you think of E.T.? Yeah. What do you think of E.T., Brian? I haven't seen it since I was a kid, so I don't know. Because mm, you're afraid you'll f- cry at the end. I remember E.T. scared me when I was a child. <laughs> oh, there's tons of good stuff in it. Kid Drew Barrymore is hilarious. I mean. Yeah, she's great. There's so much. Henry I love Thomas. the mom. The oh, mom's in D. D. Wallace. D. Wallace. She's in some of the f- greatest and most terrible horror films <laughs> ever made. Very true. She's <laughs> the Toby Hooper of that movie. <laughs> I. It's also interesting because. Now that Kathleen Kennedy is the producer, right away, though, there are a lot more female characters in these movies. And there's a lot more just sort of different male characters. The the whole machismo thing is not as important. It's not as propped up. And I think that would be something that's really great about her producing just in general, just as a caveat, is that she always brings a sort of different touch to uh, even like big budget stuff. Now, whether people agree with that or like that, <laughs> that's a different story. But then because of the success of E.T., her and her partner in crime, Mr. Steven Spielberg, they start their own production company that is still around to this day called Amblin Entertainment. And that's her band. So if you've ever seen that logo of E.T. and then the cool red and white stripes and it says Amblin, that's... Kathleen Kennedy and Steven Spielberg. That's their she's best. she's the bass player who secretly writes all the songs. Exactly. Yes. But he's also a tour manager. <laughs> yes. Like Brian. Yes. Brian yeah. just raised his Brian hand. Brian is in a in a in a radio podcast. Brian raised his hand. I'm not used now to he's taking your shirt off. Oh, here we go. Oh boy. <laughs> It's too early in the show for this. Yes. Also, Amblin Entertainment was started with her future husband Frank Marshall, who. She would not even, as I heard her say in an interview, not even date for like six years before that. And they wouldn't get married for like nine years after they started Amblin Entertainment. So they just worked together. They were just just pals who worked together. These are just some of the biggest hits. We can go through because also – yeah. Kathleen Kennedy has produced absurd. It's a hundred and something producing credits. It's insane. And especially if you go to like EP and AP credits – 
we're not even going to talk about some of those. I know there's big ones like gremlins and goonies and stuff like that, where it's huge. And she was an AP on them, but she executive produced gremlins. Oh, she EP'd that. Jesus Christ. I mean, Oh, cause it was Amblin. Yeah. Right. So she gets, so even if she had nothing to do with it, that's her production company. So you put my goddamn name on that. The next big one, obviously they have to make a sequel to Indiana Jones called Indiana Jones of the temple of the doom temple of doom temple uh, of the doom temple of the doom. Hey, listen up. motherfucker. All right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they just immediately become from Queens. So she is in it at the beginning of the dancing girls. One of them is Kathleen Kennedy. No shit. Yes. Yes. So that was part of why I wanted to bring it up. Any quick takes on Temple of Doom that you want to bring up after? The one with the racist caricature of the Asian kid? Uh, Yes. I have no comments. <laughs> no time for love, Dr. Jones. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for doing the voice. Yeah. Short round. Who was QA Kwan, who was in Goonies? Yeah. So to his credit, that's just how he talked. He wasn't... <laughs> Doing a voice. No, I understand, but the, <laughs> he was the, Asian. That was how he talked. The things they gave him to say. <laughs> that is also, yeah. And the takes they chose to use. <laughs> that is true. That is also true. Obviously, that movie makes a absurd amount of money. So Amblin's running smooth. They have some other movies. We'll go through the entire list. I just want to get to the greatest hits. The next one with Amblin, she fully produces on her own with. Robert Zemeckis, now this time also, no Steven Spielberg. So this is her her idea totally at Amblin. She goes with her buddy, Bob Zemeckis, and they make a movie called Back to the Future, in which they fire the lead actor because the entire time they wanted Michael J. Fox. And then they couldn't get Michael J. Fox. So then they waited a little while, and they were like, maybe the redheaded guy from Mask will be good. And they tried that, and it didn't really work. So... Then they went with Michael J. Fox and it became obviously another insane franchise. Uh, Nick, what do you think of Back to the Future or any thoughts on any of the crazy stuff that happened with our boy? Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz. (laughs) I'm a huge Eric Stoltz fan. I think I've seen probably, I mean, Michael J. Fox wasn't that many movies, Yeah, but I've seen more Eric Stoltz movies than Michael J. Fox, but I've definitely Mm. seen Mikey's movies way more <laughs> than mask and some kind of wonderful. Oh but, um, yeah. <laughs> They're a little more rewatchable. Yeah. I love Eric Stoltz, but like when we saw the screen tests and like the first day where he was there, it's just, that's a Michael J. Fox. Yeah, movie. That's yeah. not Eric Stoltz. I know this is so sad. He's stuck in time, Eric, bro. <laughs> chill the fuck out, man. It's supposed to be fun, man. Yeah, go do Hamlin. And when you're done with this, <laughs> The most rewatchable thing he's maybe ever done is be a heroin dealer in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, but he was great. He was great. He's a great actor, but yeah, yeah he didn't get it. He really didn't get it. He, no. And she's teamed up with tons of people. She teamed up with Martin Scorsese, Robert Zemeckis, Barry Levinson, Clint Eastwood. In 1991, she starts the Kennedy Marshall Company with a deal at DreamWorks, which is the even crazier mega thing that Spielberg has created with Universal. So her and her husband start their own side production company that would team up with DreamWorks and they'd make this movie called Jurassic Park and a movie called Schindler's List. So she's been nominated eight times for Academy Awards. Any thoughts on, let's start with Jurassic Park. I don't know if we've ever really talked about that one on here in terms of the blockbuster film school. What do you, what do you think about Jurassic Park? Is that real? I don't, I'm trying to think about it. I mean, I know we've mentioned it before, but I don't know if we've really ever given our take on Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park came out when I was 10. Mm-hmm. 
I remember way more that experience seeing the theaters the first time than the first time I had sex. <laughs> Jurassic <laughs> Park. You, you know, uh, I yeah. Mean, yeah. <laughs> you might be right. <laughs> I mean, I know you're right for yourself. But yeah. I mean, I remember very distinctly where I was and watching it and watching people scream and be morons. Yeah. I kind of remember the row we were in the theaters and just like wigging out and loving it and then getting the video game, getting the VHS. Oh, yeah. Stupid Raptor toys, <laughs> that fucking car. The movie is fucking perfect. It is a absurd perfect movie. And it's incredibly memorable. Mm. I remember more details from that movie watching it as a child than I do from most of the movies of my childhood. Yeah, I agree. And like every scene is memorable. It also stands up. It really it does. does. It's the first movie I remember with CGI, which was a big deal at the time, and that they had to really work with Lucasfilm and a bunch of people and weird entities that would eventually become things like Pixar. They had made actual full-size animatronic dinosaurs, which they also used, but they also used the CGI and then blended them together, which is, in my mind, the real way to do it. Yeah, they made a lot of miniatures. Yes. They made the full-size T-Rex head, yeah, right, that the, worked. Yeah, and the Stegosaurus was all real. Yes. That's it. No, the Triceratops. Right. Yes, you're right, though. But oh, like, can you have that out with <laughs> fucking dipshit? It's a, um, it's a Brachototorius. It's my metal band pterodactyl. Uh, that didn't exist in the Cretaceous oh, period, piece out. of shit. Also, none of those animals existed in the Jurassic period, but Cretaceous Park sounds stupid Who cares? <laughs> there was a cliff there, and there wasn't. Okay. It doesn't matter what time the dinosaurs were alive. I think this is the part. I have to do this real quick. Because we can continue this the, this little line of her professional career, but these are the movies that she just straight up produced, right? Her as producer, the main one. She produced E.T., The Color Purple, The Money Pit, Empire of the Sun, Always, Arachnophobia, Hook, Jurassic Park, Alive, Milk Money, The Indian in the Cupboard, Congo, The Bridges of Madison County, Ugh, gross. Why am I rest? Twister, a map of the world. I don't even know what that one is. It's the first one. I don't know. Snow falling on cedars. The sixth sense. Made a little money on that one. Jurassic Park three. AI artificial intelligence. Seabiscuit. Munich. War of the Worlds. The diving bell and the butterfly. The curious case of Benjamin Button. The Adventures of Tintin. Warhorse. Lincoln. Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Rogue One. Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Solo. The Mandalorian. Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. The Book of Boba Fett and the Obi-Wan Kenobi television show. So that's just what she's, oh, just some, just some movies, just a few. Where she's just had producer credit on. Yeah, I just yeah. produced that shit. There were some where she was executive producer. Oh, yeah, there's a, a, there's, a ton of, there's a ton where she was EP. Like, as we were talking about, Gremlins, Goonies, An American Tale, Batteries Not Included, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, fucking Back to the Future 2, Gremlins 2, The New Batch, Joe versus the Volcano, Cape Fear, <laughs> like, yeah. So she's made a few. She's made a few movies. She's made a couple of bucks. If you want to go on her uh, GoFundMe, you know, so she can pay pay her rent. It's an interesting thing, though. Like when I was talking about Jurassic Park being such a memorable film, I remember Gremlins just as well. Yeah, ET. It's like all the films that she has worked on. I remember from my childhood really well. That's because she's using uh, magic uh, spells, 100%. really. To she's a witch. That's the only the only explanation. But in terms of Jurassic Park, you're absolutely right. She was intrinsical in getting it made, getting it like 
putting all the computer, like getting all of these things that Spielberg couldn't even wrap his brain around. She was the one finding these people who could make this stuff and then convincing them they could do it on time and convincing that they could actually make it work. And she's the one Spielberg wanted to kill the T-Rex in the middle of the movie. And she was like, that's a bad idea. (laughs) You should not do that. And she basically came up with the ending from what I understand. So I don't know. Uh, Nick, what did you think of Schindler's List? That's a nice transition. Uh, Devastating and powerful. Yes. It is also a perfect movie. It's just not, I'm not going to get stoned in the middle of every summer and watch it on mushrooms. No. (laughs) Like I do Jurassic Park. Mm. That movie is, it deserves everything. All the accolades at one. It's incredible. Mm. Really makes you realize the Nazis were the baddies. Yes. <laughs> they were not cool. They were not cool. They were totally the, the really sad thing is every time I think of Schindler's List or someone mentions it, the first thought I have is, Jerry, you were making out in Schindler's List. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes, I agree with all of that. I also think of Ray Fine shooting people like yeah. the, off the balcony, which the, I the way the, the bodies fell in that Ugh. was so anticlimactic yes. that it was for a long time after I saw that, it was hard to watch people die in movies mm. because in Schindler's list, they just fall straight down when yeah. they get shot point blank, just yeah. straight down, just immediately lifeless. Meanwhile, Sean Connery's got shot 16 fucking times with a machine gun. He crawls out a door, saves everybody's life. Well, you better shut your goddamn mouth because yeah. I'm goddamn James Bond. <laughs> The James Bonds can get shot 30, 40 times easily. Yeah. Like 50 cent. Like they can pull it off. Like it's not a big problem. But you're right. Like people who are being Holocaust oppressed, they die like real people. Yes. Not like fictional English superheroes. Yeah. Schindler's List. It's I watched it once. I watched it once when I was a kid. And I was watching in school. Yeah. And I was like, I remember lots and lots of it. It's seared into my brain. I don't really have any, it's not so much interest in watching it again. It just is, it's one of those pieces of art where I, yeah, I've, I've read that book. I've seen that movie. I don't need to do that again. I don't need to read the end of no. Farewell to Arms again. If you haven't seen it, it is a shocking dose of reality. Yeah. If nothing else. And an amazing piece like of a filmmaking. Yeah. It's yeah. an amazing piece of filmmaking. This is not a joke either. It was one of those movies too, where when it went to the Oscars, it was like, who else is going to win best picture over this? What are you, what are you talking about? Like what stupid movie are you going to say is a better movie than Schindler's list? Like it just had like on record. I mean, sometimes the Oscars likes to get a little cheeky, you know, and well, Birdman, uh, wasn't exactly what we were uh, looking for. We wanted a, a stupid movie that was about, I don't know, some insert famous person here who is having a dipshit, biography version of them but that one was such a powerful piece of filmmaking i don't want to compare it to like but there are certain movies that come out at the oscars and you just know that they've won they've already won they've already achieved something that nobody else has ever achieved and even hollywood has to say yeah that that's fucking for real uh guess what it won best picture probably one of the few that was very much deserving of that yeah that's that's probably that's probably true what are you talking about crash not crash green book I mean, Titanic did deserve to. That was another one. Like, I mean, I wouldn't put it as necessarily at the level of quality as no. like Schindler's List, but it was another one where it was like, oh, Titanic's not going to win. Like, really? 
So she's done a ton of stuff like mentoring people. She has tons of cool, like most of her Wikipedia is about how awesome she is, which she probably is. But also it makes me think she might be nefarious somehow, like Lex Luthor. Just putting that out there. Or she's just a private person. Maybe. Or she is fueled by child blood. I've seen some things on the internet. Joe Rogan is sensitive. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not, I would never actually believe any of that dipshit. We all know that there are actual conspiracy theories. The CIA did it. They're a criminal organization. Okay. So she's produced tons of movies with Spielberg. Obviously she keeps making stuff with Spielberg, War of the Worlds, Munich, which has gotten her more Academy Award nominations. She was intrinsical in bringing the Studio Ghibli movies to America. She didn't even produce them, but she negotiated the deal because Miyazaki was like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. She was like, you should do that. I'm Kathleen Kennedy. And then she grabbed his like suspenders and kind of choked him a little bit. He was like, oh, yeah. I like her as like a kind of Tony Soprano type character. (laughs) But uh, she gets back with Spielberg, where she's nominated for another Academy Award. She has eight. Academy Award nominations and then kind of finishing up her her career so we can then just talk about some movies Uh, in May 2012. She left the Kennedy Marshall Company, which has her name on it and her husband's name so that, to be fair, maybe take on the craziest and coolest job that a lot of us maybe fantasize about so she could become co-chair of Lucasfilm. And then as Lucas passed off the baton and sold the company to Disney and stepped down, Kennedy became the president of Lucasfilm and in charge of Star Wars and other lesser Lucasfilm things like Willow, which is getting rebooted. So also she got an Order of the British Empire (laughs) credit. So basically she got the best thing you can get to being knighted by the British Empire if you're an American. So she got that as well. Yeah. Her life is so much like mine. <laughs> it's exactly like yours. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Um, Nick, of that crazy list, uh, what do you what do you want to talk about? What's jumping out? Uh, I want to talk about the diving bell, the butterfly. Ooh, please do, please do. I actually saw that in the one film class I took, and it was at community college. Awesome. And <laughs> uh, the diving bell and the butterfly. Julian Schnabel. Julian Schnabel. I love Julian Schnabel. I love the book of this. This mm. book is actually. An extremely optimistic, the writer of the book, the guy who suffered the stroke and wound up just stuck in his own body, was much more optimistic than the movie was. Mm. But the movie is a nice, it is gorgeous. It is a dream. You sort of think you have any idea for like an hour that what this guy's life is like, just because Julian Schnabel paints portraits Mm. These segments are just like, it's like watching somebody paint visually. It's yeah. just, it's amazing. And uh, I think it's in his movies a lot. Like, yeah. He's a really great he artist knows, as he, well. Yeah. He does. He knows exactly what he's doing, the visual style and everything. And the fact that, you know, that movie came out so well, I didn't know she produced it until yeah. today. And uh, I just, despite all the Star Wars stuff, we'll get into it later. But like, <laughs> I like her more and more. Yeah, I agree. I, and also that one kind of surprised me too, because I knew a lot of the, kind of bigger Hollywood stuff that she had done. But then when I saw that, I didn't even process that. And I really liked that movie because that came out in 2007. And that was right around the era where I was getting really into like Julian Schnabel and his movies. And that came out and I Basquiat and before night falls and really good, really, really great movies. 
And he himself, a really amazing artist as well, even before that. He's like, yeah, I'll just start making movies now. I'm an amazing artist who like hung out with Andy Warhol and just, you know, like in my like 50s and 60s, I'll just make amazing movies that get nominated for Academy Awards. I don't give a shit. And she was like, yeah, that'd be great. You should do yeah. that. I'll give you money. <laughs> and then I'll stand there and go, stop it. Yeah, that's Go back dumb. to work. That's a stupid idea. Go back to work. <laughs> I mean, there's a great deal of power in saying that's a stupid idea. Being the person who says that's a stupid idea. And granted, the real caveat, though, is that you are correct. Yeah. That's the real. If you are, then, man, that's a Hollywood job that is needed because there's a lot more type A personalities who are like, I'll just do whatever I want. And it's a good idea because I'm a genius. And then someone's like, that's a bad idea. And then if you're actually right a lot of the time and they have to listen to you, they go, mm, maybe. And then the bass player, like you said, like, no, yeah, yeah they're. Harder to find. Yeah. No, it's like, yeah, you're going to play the drums to my bass line. We're going to do that instead. Yes. Because you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) I occasionally worry on some of the Star Wars stuff. I know also I can only imagine how hard a challenge it would be to a take over that company after it's been created and run by one person for a long time. And then to try and fix stuff and appease this hypersensitive incredibly there are a bunch of assholes weird stupid uh, ass fans weird like a very diehard but also yes maniac fan base who who cares about it at least you have that at least they're a fan base who actually gives a shit they're not the fan base of like a reality television show or something who you know they complain and they bitch and they bitch and then it's gone like a week later and no one even remembers that show or what they were complaining about. You know what I'm saying? The Star Wars stuff people think about for years and years and years. It's like I think about I don't even want to anymore. I don't even really feel those things, but I remember like how nerdy I was for it, how much I cared about it. So I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt and be nice about it on some I mean, stuff. As a producer, she makes money. She makes oh, the movies make money. Oh my god! Yeah, she understands that absurd levels of money. Yeah. And but yeah. the beef, Rogue One made a billion dollars. Yeah. Oh, so did all of the Force Awakens. And the only argument I guess some people would have with that is that, like everybody in Hollywood who used to be your sort of baby boomer rebel heroes, they've all kind of turned to the corporate dark side. And they've all started to be like, instead of making a movie that's truly good, we could have something that has the correct target toy line in it. And we should focus on BB-8. It's like, okay. But I also understand that she's up against that. That's how the industry works. If you want to have the money, then you have to deal with the corporate overlords. I get it. I do. So I'm not a full wiener boy about it, but I did think the last couple of ones were pretty rough. And I think honestly, in my mind, were of her entire career, her biggest failure as a producer, just like in terms of being good movies. The last two Star Wars canon movies were pretty goofball and off the rails. And I didn't see him. Some of that might be on Ryan Johnson and it might be on JJ Abrams having to be thrown back into it and be like, I, I don't know. I wasn't Ryan Johnson supposed to do this. Like, so, but then she came back with, you know, the Mandalorian and she was smart enough to get Favreau and, redo the whole thing and basically say, all right, all right, all right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I fucked that up. This is more what you guys want, isn't it? This is more what you guys want. And it was, although she is currently slated as the producer for the untitled fifth Indiana Jones movie. So I don't, but they got a really good director <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> to replace Spielberg. I mean. Oh, Spielberg's not going to do it. No, it's um the guy who made a uh, 
Logan. And uh, oh, yeah, interesting. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I maybe it will There's be. There's no good. way it could be as bad as Crystal Skull. No, that's impossible. Yeah. That's like how I've never actually seen that entire movie either. <laughs> that's like how she was getting the benefit of the doubt for all of those Star Wars movies, because none of them were as bad as episode one. Like, yeah, none of them had a racist caricature of a slave in it. Like, yeah, they are better than the movie that had. Yeah, a- I was going to say that earlier, like she had a lot of things to live up to. <laughs> But the bar for those, that's why The Force Awakens was like LeBron James dunking on Kevin Hart. (laughs) Which I would watch. I I would watch that too. She'll produce it and it'll make a billion fucking dollars. (laughs) I'm not a big Star Wars fan. Yeah. Saw The Force Awakens the night it came out. I think you bought me a ticket. So thanks. I forced you. Never paid you back. Oh, you um, shouldn't have. It's okay. You know, I liked it. I saw it twice in theaters. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Mm-hmm. It was a Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams movie. Yeah, it, it was, was. It worked. It was Star Wars Kinda. karaoke. It was Star Wars karaoke. It was karaoke. the first movie, like, <laughs> beat for beat. But it's like, you know, I get it. Sometimes you just play the greatest hits. Well, especially coming back after years of it being gone and people just sitting there going, is that it? That's it? We're just done now? And that was what it's going to end on? Literally a CGI version of Hayden Christensen having a Darth Vader helmet put on his head and he actually screams, no, like that's the end of Star Wars. The last thing we see on screen. And so almost anything coming out would have have been better. It could have been Daisy Ridley farting on a snare drum. (laughs) There's a certain side of society that would much rather see. I might be one of those people. (laughs) Not to give away too much of my personal life. I'm going to go into some ones, though, where, that I would say are a little on the fence, maybe a little bit, just to get your guys' take of what you think. The 1993 Alive, about the cannibal soccer players. That movie fucked me up. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. Uh, we stopped paying for the movie channel. Yeah. So I saw it on a free weekend. I'm like, I'm not going to watch anything else on this station. <laughs> I saw that and the ref the same day for the first time. <laughs> and I was like, well, I really like these people eating each other after I saw Dennis Leary. <laughs> oh, you saw that one first? Yeah. I- <laughs> I remember enjoying that movie as a child and then wanting to watch it again because I was morbidly curious about it. Ooh, yeah, you just kept yeah, fast like, forwarding to the cannibal like parts. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad movie, but it wasn't a great movie either. Yeah. I remember, as Nick was saying, it was pretty powerful. It's affecting. You remember it. like, yeah. But it, it, not as much as like Schindler's List or something where you no. really remember it and it really works. I'm just going to say it. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the soccer team. Yeah. <laughs> I or, just want to. I don't remember. I think it was a soccer team. Okay. I don't care. You just want to see Ethan Hawke just, eat a person. Just fucking eat the people, man. <laughs> this is why I'm watching this. Like, oh, is this about those cannibals? Let's do it. And then it's just like you wait an hour and 19 minutes. You're just like, oh no, he just he's cuts into his pants and eats a part of butt, and then that's it. <laughs> this is the whole fucking time. Yeah. I mean, they That's sucked it. me in. I was waiting. I'm I like, know. I was waiting for something like, uh, way more intense. They've got three grapes left. They're going to start eating these people. <laughs> when does the one guy go insane and just start eating rocks and talking about how their birthday cake? This is a lovely birthday cake. That's a rock, dude. Uh, one of the ones of Spielberg that I'm not a huge fan of, the 1989 Always, which I really tried to like because it, ha- it has the Pacific Northwest. It has pilots. It has, I just, I don't know. Uh, I never finished it. Yes, I've never never finished it. I never knew that movie existed until today. (laughs) It's about Richard Dreyfuss being a ghost who tries to be nice to his ex-wife now because he was a dick to her the whole time and he helps her get a boyfriend. It's, (laughs) I think that's the plot of that movie. Is it? 
Yeah, it's like well, ghost, John Goodman, right? Yeah, it's like Ghost Cyrano de Bergerac. Yeah, which they also made a version of Cyrano de Bergerac at another studio that worked way better called Roxanne. <laughs> at I about, about the same time, love Roxanne. I watched that last summer with yeah. my family. Yes, yes. What about 1990 Arachnophobia? It was way cooler when I was a kid. That definitely had John Goodman in it. Yeah. What do you think, Brian? Still that like- movie is part of the reason why I'm terrified of spiders. It, there's a lot of spiders. I saw that in the theater when I was like nine years old. I'm not normally afraid of spiders, and I still to this day am not. But that many spiders. I, I mean, that many of anything. <laughs> yeah. if, if, if I came home yesterday and the apartment was suddenly infested with oranges, I'd be like, oh, my God, there's oranges everywhere. Yes, that would be disconcerting. I just, I just remember watching that in the theater as a child thinking, like, this is supposed to be a comedy? It was funny. Yeah, there's some, I mean, yeah. Not there, for a nine-year-old. <laughs> Not for nine-year-old Brian. He was in his own personal Vietnam War. The horror. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what the plot of that movie is other than the spiders come and you know, they have I, to stop I, them. This doctor goes to, I don't know, let's mm. say South America. Somewhere yeah. tropical. Yeah. yeah. Not and- America. You know what? That's not the plot. No, yeah, yeah, no. He goes goes somewhere the, tropical, and then comes, he sneaks comes a, back. a spider comes back with a dead body. Yeah, and then like they pull out the morgue, and then it starts there, and then it's like a oh, what do we do? And then you're like Jeff Daniels, you're gonna blow up in speed. And then it, breeds, it breeds with the local spiders yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, and then something. they got like weird Kiwi accents for no reason. <laughs> I remember that guy, the guy who like he gets killed. Uh, spoilers: You're yeah. not gonna watch Arachnophobia. Yeah, um, <laughs> someone dies in Arachnophobia. <laughs> there's a lot of cool deaths because yeah. they just like apparently if you get poisoned by a spider, you just freeze, mm-hmm. and then it's just like you watch one crawl that dead lady's mouth, and she's got the fucking pretzels and shit, and his <laughs> her fat husband. <laughs> Fat Husband is a better movie I would watch. Oh, man. I auditioned for that three times. <laughs> the Bridges of Madison County. What do you guys think about the Bridges of Madison County? I don't try, think. Don't get boners while you're talking about it. It's the same thing as Alive. No one watches that for drama. You just want to see Clint Eastwood take a bath <laughs> with Meryl Streep with her weird Polish accent that does not work. It's weird. Give her an Oscar. Give her an Oscar. She took a bath with that old That is true, though. That was such a big surprise hit that won a bunch of Oscars, and people people love that movie. I bought the book from my mom for Christmas. Guess how many times she's read it? Mm, Zero. Half. (laughs) I remember I had to awkwardly watch it with, like, my stepmom and my dad and i was like oh god what the fuck is happening so that's what it's like in that family i couldn't see well it was more like we're a big movie nerd household and you know it's like eh, most movies have like a sex scene and like whatever like but uh this one was hot if you're into old people kissing each other laying on each other like sacks of laundry joe bonner call in the blockbuster <laughs> hotline and us. leave us your thoughts on Clint Eastwood's old face. And we'll put it in the next episode. Just call Alex. The only other one I wanted to bring up of all those, and if there's any others you guys want to bring up, I'm totally down. Oh, maybe two. 1995, Congo. You guys big fans of a weird attempt to try and recreate Jurassic Park, but this time it's with evil gorillas who have laser guns. It's dumber than what you just said, and the (laughs) thing you said was dumb as shit. It was super dumb. We got laser guns. Yeah. That and Bruce Campbell are the only things I remember from that movie. Oh, man, I remember a lot. Any movie where you have Bruce Campbell and you have him just to kill him off, and it's not Maniac Cop 2, Maniac Boogaloo, you're making the wrong choice. I agree. 
He should have played the lead ape. Oh, that'd have been good. There's also a whole thing about it, about how, so obviously Michael Crichton wrote the book, right? And then the movie was written by a very famous uh, screenwriter named John Patrick Shanley, okay? Who wrote, uh, he won a Pulitzer Prize for drama, for doubt, right? He won Tony Awards. He's written a ton of, I mean, just huge, very popular and powerful plays like the fourth wall and outside Mullingar and all this crazy stuff. And um, apparently they asked John Patrick Shanley to adapt the book Congo, which I feel is a very interesting. And apparently Shanley just kind of is a very interesting character because he's such a powerful theater writer that he just took the money, didn't read the book. This is true. Apparently he just did not read the book. He just kind of looked at the cover of it and read the back of it and then just sort of put slapped a thing together and was like, here, that is a real story about how John Patrick Shanley wrote Congo. And if you read the book Congo, it is honestly, other than there are crazy gorillas in the like deep in the middle. Of oh, no- it's nothing like the movie. It's nothing like the movie. No. Like nothing. Not like weird different choices like in Jurassic Park. No, nothing. Nothing like it. Congo is the first movie where I was like, oh, shit. OK, they're making another. Mic. She got me. Yeah. Let's make Jurassic Park. Uh-huh. But with apes. So I was like, you can say buggies with this. I don't fucking know. (laughs) So I went to the library on Archer over there and I got (laughs) the fucking book out. I was super excited and I read it like, oh, this is fucking good. Yeah. Like I got everything out of that Michael Crichton section after 1993. Totally. And then the movie came out and I was watching the making of on HBO. I was like, I'm not going to ask them to take me to this. They're (laughs) going to get pissed when they have to sit through this. So I waited. We rented it. And I was sitting there. I was like, fuck, where's the book? <laughs> this is terrible. Do they do this all the time? And then like, I was explained that when it's, it's adapted, it's adapted. very loose. Yes. Oh, this one was maybe the loosest adaptation of all time. Me and my brother went to see it in a theater. And this was like opening weekend that did not have that many people in it. And I had also read the book. And when Tim Curry comes out, I was like, what is going on? Because Tim Curry has like a ridiculous Russian accent. I am foreign, the bad guy. He's Zoya the Destroyer. He really is. Is he doing Russian or South Africa? He's doing, you know what I'm saying? He's doing foreign, the bad guy. Like the accent is all over the place. As you said, it's sometimes South African, sometimes Russian. It's sometimes just Tim Curry's regular voice. Yeah. Because he gave up that day during that take. (laughs) And I keep wondering, I keep being like, Oh, we're going to, he's got a secret. He's going to, nothing, nothing happens no. with that character. No, Just nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing happens with anyone. I like Ernie Hudson. Good for him. I was glad that he got a paycheck. I was glad that he, Ernie Hudson make that money. I don't know. That was pretty much, <laughs> I remember the Congo collector's cups you could get. I remember those were like at Burger King or something. I think it was Subway. Ooh, maybe it was. Yeah. Maybe it was. <laughs> yeah, I remember those too. Now that you mentioned it. Um, Not a lot of resale value. Now, <laughs> who, was, who was cast lead in that? Who was lead? Laura Linney. Laura Linney. Chicago and Laura Linney. And the guy from ER, Noah. Uh, Noah Wiley. Yes. No, that's not him. It was the other. It was a different guy. Oh, maybe another one. It was some fucking. Oh, yeah, it was some pud. Yeah. But he was on ER too? Huh? It, was he on ER? I think he was in ER for like a couple episodes. Dude, when the ape is into him, Amy the ape is yeah. into him. And when she sign languages, it has a thing where she talks and she's like, Amy, no, like human woman, ugly, stupid, ugly. And I'm, no, Amy, <laughs> don't talk about it like that. And I was like, I'm oh going to brush God. up against her boob later in the jungle. <laughs> Am I supposed to not laugh at that? Am I supposed to- it's because in the book, she like, 
whenever she sign languages, her boyfriend just says the things that she says. So they had to come up with some dumbass contraption. <laughs> Even without reading it, it's amazing it's this bad. Because mm-hmm. Doubt's amazing. Yes. He wrote the screenplay. I think he directed the movie. Oh, yeah. He's fucking great. Yes. This movie seems like a rough, like a first draft. Oh, it definitely. Oh, he wrote it in like a day. Yeah. He cranked it out and they gave him a million bucks. And he was like, <laughs> and then he ran away. Ran and back the, to New York. And with that million bucks, he was able to pay rent in Manhattan for three months. Exactly. And like the Hollywood producers like, we'll get that guy. And then someone explained to them who he was. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> like that guy's that. Because normally most screenwriters we could just destroy if they do something to us. Yeah. Th- this guy's very, oh, you're saying very powerful. Like really, oh, oh, shit. We can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing you can do. And also the theater community in New York does not care that he ripped you guys off. No, they love it. Yeah. And the other sort of uh, Hollywood producers who make stuff that makes Oscar bait, powerful drama stuff, they also do not care that he ripped you off for <laughs> Although I don't think Kathy Kennedy worked with him again. So I think that ship has sailed. Yeah, they're both fine. I know. I know. Although I wonder, she has like a secret thing. He has to avoid Kathy Kennedy. Like I said. Or he has to do all the punch up on all the Star Wars shit for free. (laughs) She showed up at his house with fucking Miyazaki. I was going to say. Just just sign the papers, dude. She's He's at like a urinal and she like chokes him for a second from behind. <laughs> the only other one I wanted to bring up for me before we go to the wall, and if you have any other ones, please feel free. And I'm just curious on your guys' take of AI artificial intelligence, which was already being in production and being produced by Stanley Kubrick. And then sadly, Stanley Kubrick passed away. So his friend Steven Spielberg and Kathleen Kennedy decided to pick up the torch and complete AI, the artificial intelligence, in a much more PG-13 way than I would imagine Mr. Kubrick was going to make the movie. But what do you think about AI, Nick? He should have just walked away. <laughs> just straight up. Any thoughts, Teps? Not really. <laughs> I will say I remember a lot of it. I remember there was a lot of, like, interesting stuff in it. Like, there was... She lost hair. Weirdly enough, a lot of weird technology stuff that we do currently have now that at the time seemed mind-boggling, but... They called a lot of, you know, holograms and uh, touch screens and shit like that. And then spoiler alert at the end, the super aliens in the far future who find him frozen in the snow in the what's left of Manhattan in the ice like Bobo the bear from The Simpsons. That's a deep cut. Literally, is the, it's the ending of the Bobo episode of The Simpsons yeah. where future <laughs> Mr. Burns finds him frozen in the ice. But he's just a head that's attached to a robot. He's oh, like Smithers on his back or something. He's like, so there's like a touch. His head's attached to like a robot dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Nick, any other Kathleen Kennedy films before we go to the wall? Yeah. I want to bring up uh, Milk Money. Oh, this movie is so stupid. <laughs> I loved it as a child. <laughs> My family and I watched it together all the time because we thought it was hilarious. Mm. It is about a, I think she's a sex worker on the run, Melanie Griffith. Mm-hmm. And. These kids signed some money or she's got milk. I don't know. I don't remember because it's not that good. But Ed Harris is great. And uh, there's people in it. The movie is so. Yeah, they like pay not- her to be their mom or they pay her to see her boobs and then she becomes their mom. 
something it's weird like i think that the the mom died so mm-hmm. they're like go bang at harris we'll give you money it's like back then people would just bang at harris for free that's true malcolm mcdowell's in this movie and Anne Hayes. budget 20 million box office 18 yeah it i'm surprised we made 18 million dollars <laughs> so yeah it's this right here hooker with a heart of gold Ooh. remember those movies yeah this movie sucks. <laughs> I, I I would love to watch this again, though. Yeah. I will go back to this. Sure. I will get high as shit and then forget it's on and be like, oh, this is worse than I thought. But I want to give this a positive thought. Mm. And that's even her dumb, bad movies that don't make any money still stick in your head. Agreed. And also with that argument, several of the movies that you thought were so bad they didn't make any money. Like, for instance, Congo. Congo cost $50 million. It made $150 million at the box office. So. Congo? Yeah. But they were hoping that it would be like Jurassic Park and make a billion dollars. Yeah, I was hoping it was going to be like the book. Yeah, it did not. It did not. But her movies make money. Like, even when they're stupid. Even when they're Twister. And Twister, for me, is one of those movies of the 90s that is real stupid, but you love it. You know, it's. I don't love it. I have a soft spot. I love. Bill Paxton. Yeah, I like watching them. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, Helen Hunt. I, I just like watching them. I would love to watch them in a different movie. <laughs> Carrie Elways. We have to figure out what's inside the tornado. Carrie Elways has a great accent. Carrie Elways in Twister sounds like Kevin Costner in <laughs> Prince of Tides trying to do a British accent. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Like, even in Robin Hood Men in Tights, he makes fun of him. He goes, I can speak with a British accent. Yeah? Well, you don't sound like you're from fucking California or Kansas City or wherever the tornado was. <laughs> also, how much do you think the worldwide box office was on Twister? Twister, $300 million. Brian? I'm going to say $400 million. It was $500 million. It had a budget of $92 million, so that was a big budget movie because it had CGI tornadoes. Yeah. Also, she's trying to get revenge for the tornado that killed her dad at the beginning. <laughs> That's literally the movie. I hate that movie so much. Nick, do you have any other Kathleen Kennedy movies which you'd like to talk about? Yeah. Yeah, hit me. One more. Do it. It's fucking Lincoln. Ooh. If I only got to thinking I could be another Lincoln if I only had a brain. This Lincoln's so long, you don't need another one. <laughs> I've said this before on another episode. Only movie I ever took a cigarette break on. <laughs> I, 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 I was at the Logan, and I was like, uh, I'll be back. Actually, I didn't even go first. Cat went first. Yeah. She's like, I, I can't do this. I got to go. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I'll, I'll stay. And then she comes back, and I'm like, I'm dying over here. He's fucking yelling at Joseph Gordon-Levitt about something. I'm not listening. He slaps him at one point. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is so fucking long. Oh, yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis is amazing. Yes. But there's only so many times he could do a monologue and you're going to watch a slow zoom in on him doing it and go, this is captivating. Yeah. Also, I mean, yeah, lots of good actors. Very important time period of America. Very powerful movie. But as you said, also maybe an hour longer than it had to be. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sally Field going full Uh, like. Yes. Oh my God! She goes full like Hamlet in this. He put a bonnet on. He put a bonnet on her, and she gets lost. Yeah, <laughs> she just loses control. <laughs> yep, 
I agree. She also produced The Sixth Sense. That's, yeah. Like, that's, I mean, which, wild though that she went and was like, yeah, Shyamalan, I'll give you money. And that movie made a bazillion dollars. And was the only Shyamalan movie that she produced, which is interesting. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. That it's the only really good Shyamalan movie. That she was like, no, that's a stupid idea. Oh, you mean that's a stupid idea. He can't die? You're going to bring him back for two more movies 20 years later and drown him in a puddle? Oh, my God. You're a schmuck. <laughs> the trees can talk? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> well, what do you say, Nick? You want to do the dumpster in the wall? Yeah, I'll do a dumpster in a wall. Right. So we're going to start with the Blockbuster Film School dumpster. She's such a master artist, and even her movies that are not that great are better than some of the people we've had on this podcast's entire careers. So we don't want to upset her too much in case she hears this. Please don't come after us with your laser satellites that you own. Nick, what is your dumpster pick for Madam Kathleen Kennedy? Curly Sue. (laughs) Can you tell people what Curly Sue is if they've never seen that smash hit? So Curly Sue was a John Hughes movie that I'm assuming he lost a lot of money to like bookies and he, <laughs> he had to go to Fox and get some money and he just pulled a script out of his ass where it's Curly Sue, this little homeless kid with curly hair who's being raised in the street by her father the Belushi that's always at Portillo's. Oh, yeah. The untalented fucking <laughs> hack piece of shit Belushi. <laughs> and he convinces her to fake car accidents so they can get money from people. So she'll hit a car with a two by four and then he'll lay on the ground with a little bit of fake blood on his head and look at some money. And then the next day, she, the woman actually hits... Is it John or Jim? Jim, uh, right? Jim, yeah. John was the good one. Yeah. He was in 1941. Jim Belushi with her car, and then she has to take care of them, and then they fall in love. First of all, no one falls in love. Ever? Ever. <laughs> with Ever, ever, ever in, in with Jim Belushi. <laughs> no one's going to fall in love with Jim Belushi as a homeless guy. That's a fair point. These are fair points. I am not talking down to the hobo society. Mm-hmm. I am saying everyone in those tents in in the park right here <laughs> has a better chance of having someone fall in love with them than anyone <laughs> ever falling in love with Jim Belushi. <laughs> Other than those pieces of cake that I'm sure he just streamlines like fucking heroin that he gets for Portillo's. <laughs> Oh, that's I a, hate this ranch. Jim Belushi so much. Oh boy. <laughs> I got fuck <laughs> that show and fuck Tim Allen too, just for good measure. That's these are fair points. Also, the idea of trying to have a Jim Belushi vehicle where they were like, let's try this. Yeah, that'll work. Also, I have to tell you this one story. This is many moons ago when the Blackhawks were winning the Stanley Cups. It was like 2011 or something like that. And I'm watching it and I have a good friend. I don't want to get him in trouble, but he, at the time he had this like troll Twitter, like he wasn't even really on Twitter and it was called like hot fart 69 or something like that. Like something really stupid. Right. <laughs> and he would do it just to say stuff to celebrities. They kept cutting to him cause Belushi was at the game. Right. And so they kept cutting to him on TV. 
And he texted, he tweeted at him, every time you're there, we lose you piece of shit. And then Belushi tweeted back. He goes, come on, man. And then, and then he texted, the wrong one died. <laughs> Which, I'm sorry. That was, I, it was, that's brutal. I maybe wow. want to cut that out, but I, I just had to tell you that story. I, I. Wrath is savage. <laughs> savage. Holy he really, shit. He really is. When he feels like being savage. It's Jesus. Lit. Yeah. I'm <laughs> It's even more sad. I mean, it's, it's basically the same as what you just did, though. <laughs> you just said that no one would love Jablucci ever. Yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> They're both good points, actually. It's brutal. I'm sorry. So I'm going to toss this out here as my dumpster pick. Ooh, this is tough because it's down between two for me. I'm, if you want to do two, I'll do another one real fast. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do Jurassic Park three. Jurassic Park three is bad. There's oh, pterodactyls yeah. and it's stupid and it's Alan. bad. Oh boy, yeah. They there's a part in the beginning of it in which <laughs> Alan, Doctor Alan Grant, is on a plane, right? And he he's sitting there, and then he looks over, and then there's a raptor, and the raptor's like, "I'm gonna kill you," and then he wakes up, and it's a dream. That's how it begins. That he has a dream where a raptor talks to him. That's not a joke. That is how that movie starts. That's the level of quality. Nick, what's your bonus dumpster? I was gonna pick Cape Fear, but that's not even. Yeah, that's not real. I'm gonna go with Alive. <laughs> Eat a- the people faster. I'll be quick on mine too. Mine was, you know how much I love David Fincher. I love David Fincher, and it still looks good, right? And there's a lot of people. Oh I like my it. god! I forgot about this movie. The Curious Case of Benjamin Button is. <sighs> A bizarre disaster. Jesus Christ. It's <laughs> a bizarre. And also, I love F. Scott Fitzgerald. And the story that it's based on, this is not a joke, is like two pages long. And it's just kind of a little fun joke thing about how when you're six years old, you behave the same as when you're 96 years old. And that's pretty much it. That you just go up and then come back. Like, that's literally the point. It's about a page long. And then they made that movie out of it. And it is nonsense. You bring up Benjamin Button makes me realize <laughs> I gave Lincoln too much shit. <laughs> it's that bad. It's bad. Like <sighs> some of it looks real good because it's Fincher. Yeah, it looks great, but it's just so stupid. It's stupid. It's kind of amazing that so many people could just fail so hard at one time. Oh, yeah. It all seemed like a good idea. It's one of those ones. It just yeah. seemed like it would work and it didn't. It's not like any of those people are untalented. She worked with David Fincher. I mean, she was right. David Fincher's awesome, but that just that didn't work. On a more positive thing, let us go to the Blockbuster Film School wall. It's time for the Blockbuster Film School wall. <laughs> Nick, in no particular order, what is one of your three Blockbuster Film School wall picks for the great Kathleen Kennedy? Number three, I'm going with Noises Off. Ooh, what is that? Noises Off is a Peter Bogdanovich film. Ooh, which her husband works with a lot. Yeah, starring with Michael Caine, Cara Bounette, Demhall Elliott, Julie Haggerty, Marilyn Henner, Marklin Baker, who if you don't know, that's cousin Larry, everybody. Christopher Reeve and John Ritter. And Zoe Cassavetes, the least... Cassavetes of the Cassavetes. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Michael Caine is trying to get his stage production going. 
and it's a fucking disaster. Oh, I think I remember this yeah. now. And she EP'd this? She EP'd this, yeah. Yeah, dope. Just one of those movies that was always on in the middle of the day. It was like that on HBO, and then right before that was Seems Like Old Times starring Goldie Hawn and Chevy Chase. <laughs> uh, if I had a sore throat and I had stayed home from school, both of those movies were on back-to-back. <laughs> I like that a lot. I'm going to watch that again. I have not watched that if I did in a long, long time. Oh, I haven't seen it in 30 years. More than that. <laughs> no, not more than that. I forgot how old I was. Let's say 25. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Who gives a shit? Who cares? I'm going to toss one out here. I'm going to say that I really like the 1991 hook. I went into it as a kid, jaded already, and I was like, this is going to be stupid. It's going to be a Peter Pan movie. It's going to be stupid. I'm going to hate it. And I really enjoyed it. And there's something still about it that I enjoy. It's infectiously fun and interesting and something that Kennedy and when she teams up with Spielberg. And I think just Kennedy in general is really good at is like making worlds. She comes up with worlds and you sort of buy into them and you like these characters and you remember all these weird characters and McDonald's. Happy Meal Toys, and I enjoyed it. I And I still think about Hook, and occasionally I watch it. R.I.P. to Rufio. Um, Nick, do you like Hook? I have liked Hook. <laughs> I'm sure I'll like it again. I, I haven't gone back to it. You have those shorts that look like you're one of the Lost Boys. That is true. I just, little bonus thing for you guys listening at home. If you're going to cut dress pants from a funeral <laughs> into shorts directly after the funeral, Take the moss first. <laughs> or you look like one of the lost Yeah, boys. you look like an asshole. <laughs> and uh, I no longer wear shorts except on the back porches. So <laughs> it's okay. Uh, what's your number two? Is it The Adventures of Tintin? It is. No, actually, wait, I, it's Balto. That's I have real. no idea. I've never seen the fucking Balto. I'm trying not to go too obvious so we don't have a very similar list. Mm. You know, I'm going to go Poltergeist. Oh, dope. Poltergeist is number two. It's good. It's so fucking good. What's your favorite part of Poltergeist? When they get stoned. <laughs> I like that. Too. It's so good. <laughs> Their bed is so 80s. Yeah. The older I get, the more I just like the family. Yeah. Like, as a unit, they're amazing. Agreed. I'm sure she had a lot to do with the casting. Oh, for sure. And you could tell because you got, oh, man, I actually can't remember Coach's name. I usually remember his name. Craig T. Nelson. Craig T. Nelson. You got the mom. You got the little kid. Mm-hmm. You got the other kid. That movie's cursed, by the way. Both these people bring up are dead. Most of them are dead. Yeah. Watching the mom freak out when Caroline starts sliding across the floor. Yeah. And knowing that she's just baked out of her mind. <laughs> it's, amazing. it's amazing. It's so good. <laughs> I uh, I also think I would be a bad parent, but my bad parenting movie that I always talk about is Pet Cemetery. That's yeah. like the worst parents in the world. Sure. The average bad parents who just get stoned and be like, is our house haunted? Oh, the kid disappeared. I guess it is. That's like <laughs> more middle class, south side type of bad parenting where I grew up. And that's the kind of bad parent I would aspire to be where I'm just, mm. I smoke too much weed. But because of Poltergeist, I will react faster to our house being haunted. That's a great vow. Thanks. I really appreciate that. Can you uh, can you uh, write that down for me when you're editing so I could change my Tinder profile to that? <laughs> no. Thank you. <laughs> See, this is great. Yeah. This is great that Brian has the microphone. <laughs> we don't have him just doing hand signals at us. 
He's still doing them though. Oh, he's still doing it. Yeah. But instead, instead of, <laughs> yeah, just instead of the middle finger. There oh, go, there yeah. I agree with that decision. My number two greatest movie came out in 2005. So now I, you can't even necessarily call it later Spielberg, but it is such a weird, crazy movie and very surprising to me. An R rated Spielberg movie that I really liked. It is called Munich. It is about a not legal Israeli hit squad who goes after the guys who killed their soccer team. And then because they do that, they immerse themselves into a world of all kinds of crazy espionage and strange political connections that they had no idea about. And it turns them insane. And yes, I know the scene at the end where Eric Bana comes and screams is very stupid, but the vast majority of the movie is really, really good. And, Really well made and lots of cool actors and good writing. And once again, Kathleen Kennedy and Spielberg just creating worlds, making cool characters, cool ensemble stuff. Very interesting. Nick or I've never seen Munich. Ooh, Brian, have you ever seen Munich? I started to and then I just sort of did something else. It's okay. I will say it starts rather slow. It really does. And then once it gets intense, it doesn't really ever stop. Which is kind of a Spielberg trope. Her and Spielberg, that's the thing they like to do. They, not always, but uh, Jurassic Park, for instance, rather slow for quite a bit. Like, until, what was it, like 35 minutes in when the T-Rex shows up? Something like that? Yeah. Everything else is, well, oh, oh, oh nice, cool. Everyone's having a good time. There's a lot of, everyone's having a good time in their horror movies until we're not well, it does. It does, it literally opens with a dinosaur attack. Oh, that's true. There, Yeah, there's normally a, like a... Shooter! You're right. They do have the cold open yeah. that has its own. You're totally correct. But arachnophobia starts slow. I bet there's a cold open in that where a spider kills somebody. That's the trick. Yeah. You have a cold open that's exciting. Then you can go slow for a while. Then, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Makes sense. This is part of their thing. What's your number one? My number one is split up into two parts. Ooh. It's what I want to say. And then what is obviously much more reality. Ah. So number one, A. Bridges of Madison. I will fight you <laughs> in the streets. Um, Diving Bell the Butterfly is oh, number one. Hell yeah. Because just a gorgeous, sad fucking Julian Schnabel movie. It's amazing. Agreed. But if we're going to be fucking honest, mm. if there was a midnight screening of the Diving Bell the Butterfly at the music box in 35 millimeter, I probably wouldn't go unless I knew there was going to be a car out in front <laughs> painted the same way his fucking thing is. Oh, yeah. Because Jurassic Park is my number one. Yeah. Because it's Jurassic Park. Yeah, hell yeah, it is. If you have a chance to see it in theaters, go see it on film. Yeah. It'll blow your fucking mind how good movies used to look on film mm. in theaters. It's so good. Watch it every year at least once. We got We just watched it not that long ago. We did. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's infinitely watchable. I stand for the whole movie. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> that's mind boggling. I know. It's truly your number one. It's infinitely good. Yeah. She made a classic, an absolute yeah. fucking classic. And not like us say, like, no, like almost everyone yeah. <laughs> strangely agrees with. They see it and they go, this is the thing I like. If someone says, oh, just pork sucks, that person's parents were real dicks to them and now they are dicks. And that's the only reason they're saying it. They probably secretly do like it. They're just turds. Yeah. I'm going to go with the other one, which is I've always loved it. 
I watched it when I was a little kid. I watched it as a teenager. I watched it as an adult. I still get something different out of it every time. I notice something out. I relate to other characters, different pieces. It's, in my mind, bizarrely, infinitely good. I know they tried to screw with it, but it's E.T., the extraterrestrial. It is still unbelievably good. It's her first her first movie she ever produced is the other mega absurd classic. Like, they still have the ride at Universal Studios. It's still there. It's awesome. It's amazing. They don't let you say your name into the ride anymore, though, because they used to have a thing where you would walk up and you'd say your name into a microphone, like at the beginning. And then at the end, you know, E.T. would like say goodbye to you. He'd be like, goodbye, Alex. Like, you know, it'd be terrible. It'd sound terrible. And then me and my brother figured it out. And you'd be like, what's your name? My name's Penis. You know, and then it's like, goodbye, Penis. You're like, yeah, yes, yes, I've achieved comedy gold. But I love E.T. the Extraterrestrial. It's amazing. Any other thoughts? I mean, this is a character and a person, a true, like, empress of Hollywood, a impresario, someone that their mark will last for generations after this, like Louis B. Mayer or something, but maybe less of a dick. So yeah, Kathleen Kennedy is incredible. We could talk about her for hours and hours and hours. And I feel like this is a nice broach to a lot of different directors and genres because she's connected to a lot of them. But any other thoughts, Nick, on KK? Most powerful woman in cinema. Yeah, maybe in art. Yeah. She's <laughs> maybe in the world. She does some really good shit. She knows exactly what she's doing. I can't say anything bad against her. I just want to say, if you're going to hire these indie guys and these comedians to direct Star Wars movies, let them make a Star Wars movie. I agree with you. Because uh, that fucking Rogue One movie was so bad. (laughs) You could tell where all the reshoots were. But also, I've fucking, you know. I kind of liked Rogue (laughs) One. I know. (laughs) But I appreciate That's my only complaint. I couldn't agree with you more. Like now that she's starting to really kind of toss her weight around with Lucasfilm, like now she's really in charge and they're not getting rid of her. Maybe maybe just as you said, like I still believe in that she has a great deal of talent. Maybe take some risks now. Yeah. George can't come after you anymore. Like do some shit. She proved she can make movies better than the prequels (laughs) and make a shit ton of money. Yeah. And now she's also running TV apparently. Uh, yeah, Disney Plus, right? Well, it's still, I haven't seen those shit. That still comes from like that's basically it's like how Disney, you know, it's like Paul Fahey runs Marvel. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And that's owned by Disney, and so technically they are his bosses, but he's in charge of Marvel. You know what I'm saying? And she is in charge of Lucasfilm. So it, whether it's TV, movies, video games, whatever, if it's Lucasfilm and Star Wars properties, she's in charge. She's George Lucas now. Although there's one of them that's like still Lucas. It might be ILM or Skywalker Sound. I can't remember. He uh, he still owns um, pants that go up to your nipples. <laughs> he still owns like six different dress barns in yeah. the valley outside of Los Angeles. Crush you like a bug. In there. Well, we love you guys. I think it's been a pretty good episode of Kathy Kennedy. A nice little do your own research beyond this because there's a ton about her. You know, obviously, I didn't go too deep into her personal life or things like that, possibly because there's not a ton to say. I don't really know. It's like if you saw a memorable film during your childhood, she probably produced it. Yes, absolutely. Or executive produced it or associate produced it or was it created the production company that created that (laughs) is somehow involved with it. If you like Hollywood movies, you've seen a Kathleen Kennedy movie. You have. There's nothing you can do about it like you have. 
If you're Amish, get the fuck off of Spotify. Yeah, what you, wow, wow. People are, your mom's coming. Actually, I'm pretty proud of you for sneaking a phone into your cabin and listening to this. I appreciate you. I'm going to say that. But yeah, on Rumspringer, run off. Run off. Do drugs. Have a good time. Never come back. It's a cult. All Christian stuff is a cult. Just put that out there. All religions are cult. All, everything's a cult, I'm yeah. realizing as an adult. It's all a cult. We're screwed. <laughs> Especially this podcast. I think it's not a cult if there's like just three guys hanging out. Yeah, and we don't have any rules. We need more listeners. <laughs> yeah. Then it'll be a cult. Shout out yeah. to Columbus, followers. Ohio. Yeah, hey, Columbus, followers. Ohio people. Hey, look. We please, don't know who you are, but. Oh, man. If you're still listening at this point, please tell your friends. Please give us reviews. Please. We we love you guys. We're going to keep doing the podcast because we like doing it. But if you guys like it, it means a lot to us. So give us a shout. Say hello. Nick does a great job running the Instagram. Brian does an amazing job producing. Uh, it's it's amazing. So yes, seriously, send us a message. We're real people. <laughs> yeah, feel free. Please hit us up. We'll talk to you. I don't you. think anyone thinks we're fake. <laughs> we're an algorithm. We're the stupidest algorithm ever. Well, on that, we love you guys. We will see you next week here at the Blockbuster Film School.